0: Hello, Matt. How are you? Yeah, very good, Matt. Very good indeed. So, uh, I am absolutely fantastic. I've just watched the New Zealand Black Caps become the world test cricket champions.
1: I mean, that's a fairly good evening for a, for a Kiwi, isn't it?
0: Um, that is yeah. about the best evening uh, for a cricket boy from a boy from New Zealand growing up playing cricket in the summers and rugby in the winter. That is about as good as it gets. So, um, you know, not a bad, you know, not a bad effort for a nation of 4.8 million people uh, and uh, to become the world test credit champions um, to beat India. uh, No slouches themselves, obviously. And Mm -hmm. it was, um, yeah, really. And and because we lost the 50 over cricket uh, final, one day cricket final for you guys in such heartbreaking fashion a couple of years ago. It was really nice to actually see that pretty much a sim- fairly similar squad uh, become the World Test Cricket Champions. That was that was really great. I think Ross Taylor will retire now on the end of that. And um, I know BJ Watling, our wicketkeeper, has announced his retirement. Uh, mm. It's just a big moment you know, for New Zealand. We, we've always been that kind of plucky underdog over the last few years that would snatch defeat from the jaws of victory kind of thing. But well, that sort of turned a corner a few years ago with Brendan McCullum and, um, and there's a sort of a, a mentality and a, and a steal in that New Zealand team now that we, we're good. You know, you have to be very good to beat the New Zealand cricket team now. And that's a fantastic achievement across about probably about 10 years of, of, um, of, of, of focus. And, and uh, so just wanted for a moment to just bask in that glory for New Zealand and, and say well done to the New Zealand Test cricket team. That was a great effort.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, it's not just uh, like flashing the pan, as you say, is it? They've been good for quite a long time now, and like you say, there's a lot of players who have been fairly tenured and have played for a long time, and actually they've they've come to their peak just at the right time with the right mix of squads. So, yeah, I mean, Taylor's been great for a long time. I wouldn't be surprised, like you say, if he does retire. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's. I wouldn't have said this a while back, but I mean, there's plenty of plenty of New Zealanders that have in the England team straight away at the cricket at the minute, which. Um, isn't something bad I'd say because I usually quite like the England cricket team, but I'm a bit disillusioned with them of late.
0: Well, I, I think the English cricket team have really uh, have become a, a real force themselves in the last probably um, you know four or five years. They're 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 an incredibly good team as well. Um, I think they were a bit of underpowered when they played New Zealand in this series. To be fair, you know um, Stokes and and a few others uh, away was not helpful for that English cricket team, um, but. Yeah, they. Yeah, I think they they have got the ability to be very good at an English cricket team if they if they apply themselves and, and yeah. uh, you know, um, okay, let's uh, let, let's just change our uh, subject to to golf. Uh, the, the, you know thanks uh, welcome again to Man in the Stand with uh, our, our sponsor Star Sports, and let's first of all look back on what was a pretty remarkable uh, U.S. Open last year. Uh, last year, last week, uh, and absolutely. Um, Wonderful result for John Rahm, who so heartbreakingly went out uh, in the memorial uh, last week, uh, the week before due to the COVID um, failure. So for him to go and win uh, at Torrey Pines uh, was a great result. And I don't think anyone would begrudge him that, would they, Matt?
1: No, I don't think they can. I I said last week on the podcast that if it wasn't for my selections, I would really like John Rahm to win just because of the way he handled all of everything that happened at Muirfield, but actually just that he is such an excellent golfer. Um, And I mean, his play in the last couple of weeks has absolutely deserved it. And the way he played on Sunday, especially um, while all around him were failing, um, he he came through, didn't he? So I think he's vindicated in a sense um, and I think he'll be the first of at least a few majors in his career. I think it's easy to to overhype these players and to be hyperbolic with how many majors you think you're going to win because it's easy to forget just how hard they are to win. But with his skills like they are and with his... He always seems to pop up with clutch puts, doesn't he? And on Sunday, that just stood out that virtually all of his wins have had those enormous moments. So when the pressure's on, he's obviously there to perform. And there might be some variance in that, but equally it's a mental game golf, isn't it? And if he's got the the aptitude to be able to calm himself and hold those puts, I think it's, it could be the first of a fair few.
0: Yeah. He drained an absolute um beauty on 17 and drained an absolutely um, a wonderful putt on eighteen. He seems to have a habit um, of, of draining fantastic putts on that 18th, doesn't he? mm
1: mm-hmm. um, to Yeah when wasn't it? Um yeah, yeah he, a while I mean,
0: back. He he talked about actually afterwards he said, I don't know what what it is about this place, but every time I lay my feet on this uh soil around this area, I just feel at home, you know, and uh you know that counts for a lot, I think, in in the golfer's mind, doesn't it? That horses of courses thing, I think, is is really really important to a lot of golfers. Uh, if they feel comfortable, they've done well there before. They they like the way it feels. They like the course. They whatever reason for whatever kind of mystical reason they like that area. That yeah. I think has to be paid attention to, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you only have to look at this week with a with a certain Mister Watson. Um, it's it's apparent. It's odd, isn't it? Like the various courses across the breadth of the PGA Tour, there's just certain players who seem to really like a course. And I don't think it's even as as general as liking a certain grass type or green type or or an area of the world. Often it's just a course that, like Ram mm-hmm. said, they just feel at home at. And despite maybe coming in no sort of form, they know they've got the confidence to to play well there. And like you say, golf is it's played probably 90% in the mind, isn't it? If they're feeling like they're going to do well, then they'll probably fulfill that prophecy themselves. So yeah, I absolutely think there's something in in course form. And yeah, maybe I'm going to follow a little bit of that this week, perhaps. Yeah, maybe me too. Um,
0: let's just look back at the rest of the field uh, and some of the performances. Let's just talk over some of these um, uh, the talking horses, so to speak, in the in the rest of the field. So, John Rahm uh, wins it with a with a fantastic final round four under to win by one to- uh, at six under for the tournament, one shot from a desperately unlucky Louis Ouseyson, which is now well, how many times has he finished second in a major? I think I read the stats when I was watching it. I think this is his fifth or
1: sixth time. I believe it's the sixth. I might be wrong. I I don't have the figures in front of me, but I believe I read it was his sixth time, which is just, if you think about all the clamour of Phil um, winning his sixth major um, at Kiowa, um, and then Louis obviously got his win, hasn't he? He's got a claret jug, and then six seconds is just, is he on the wrong side of variance? I think probably. (laughs) I think there is something in coming second and not first um, but then Mr Nicholas didn't he had a fair few seconds in his time too so i mean he's just ultra consistent and again he's one i overlooked at the the US open i didn't even think about him and he was 50 to 1 now he's definitely one I'm going to think about going forward in the majors i tell you that much
0: yeah he's such a uh, reliable and beautiful um swinger of the club and driver of the ball isn't he and and it's funny though there's something i noticed with Ustasen and when it gets really, really sticky and down to the, to the nub of it, uh, he does come unstuck a little bit. Uh, I noticed that the Zurich World Championship, uh, Piers Championship, when he uh, was with uh, Charles Wartzel, he's he'd been driving the cover off the ball all day. He gets down to the 18th and sticks it in the water, which was very unlike Louis. Same again uh, at this U.S. Open uh, when it got down to the final. I think it was the 17th or 18th. He he just had a couple of sloppy uh, on the 18th. He had a sloppy drive which put him in an impossible position and unable to go for the pin uh, for the green and two. So uh, I don't know. That's a I'm, that's a bit of a harsh criticism. I I think he's an amazing player. Uh, I didn't I didn't have him either for any other reason. than... probably same as you. I kind of overlooked him, um, but he's. Fair Jews. I mean, six, five or six seconds in majors, but he has got at least he's got one. Uh, I wouldn't put it past him to get another. I, you know, there's, there's another open coming up very shortly, and you know you'd have to look at him as a as a as a definite contender. Uh, Harris English uh, finished uh, alone in third. Um, good final round three under on the day to finish a three under for the tournament then we had a bit of a log jam uh, after that because of, on the final day it was a massive log jam at the beginning of the day there were so many players in contention and it was a great it was a great sort of tournament i i read a bit of and heard a bit of sort of stick about this tournament i don't think it was justified at all i think it was an absolutely brilliant one I, I thought the course was fantastic but uh, anyway, I'll, I'll hand that over to you Matt in a minute and you can tell me what you think but mm-hmm. Brooks Koepka, he finished tied fourth 2-under um, for the day, 2-under for the tournament um, with Colin Morikawa who had a, a bit of an underwhelming final day 8-1 um, under for the final round 2-under for the tournament uh, along with this new kid from Italy um, Miglozzi uh, he he finished 3-under for the day 2-under for the tournament great um, great um, uh, final 3-under round uh, Daniel Berger, my main pick of the week he, he finished with a wet sail on Sunday and kind of saved my bacon a little bit because I was looking very underwhelming uh, for the US Open uh, throughout the week. But Berger had a nice final round three under to sneak into a place for me and one under for the tournament with Brandon Grace, Scotty Scheffler, and Rory McIlroy and our old um, mate who always finishes around the tenth and never the win, Alexander Chaufflet. Uh, Paul Casey also gave a good um, a good effort again. Once again, tied seventh, and then we get out to um, tied thirteenth. Molinari, Henley, Cantlay, uh, they kind of run, sort of ran, ran out the top. Uh, Cantlay and Hughes and Streelman were also figuring on the on the on the final day along with Wolf. So it, yeah, it was a really sort of packed up uh, leaderboard. But in the end of the day, John Rahm showed his class and was the deserved champion, best player on the Sunday. As you as you alluded to before, Matt, there was a lot of kind of guys making charges and then very quickly falling by the wayside. Uh, I'd be interested to know a what your sort of feelings were about the course itself and uh, anyone of note that you sort of looked at on the day, and particularly you know with your bets or or when you uh, guys you put a ring around for for guys you thought played particularly well.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can start with the course. I, yeah. I'll be honest, i would heard a lot of the criticism and I listened to a couple of podcasts that were quite vocal with their criticism of the course. I don't, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, it's not the most memorable of courses and I agree with that. I, I find it hard to to isolate which halls I really enjoy and even holes from holes sometimes, which normally I'm really quite good at as a bit of a golf nerd. I didn't like it, not because I didn't like the course. I didn't like it because it didn't feel very US Open-y to me. Um, I thought the way they set up the course, while it was probably better for keeping it closer and making it a a reasonable finish, what I found was that they'd cut the rough down really short off the tee. So where drives were landing, it was barely more than about three inches, which is almost unheard of for US Open golf. And even though it was... Sure, it wasn't exactly thick either. It was quite trodden down. It was relatively easy to play out of. And I think that was that was um, highlighted by the fact that um, DeChambeau and a couple of others identified holes where actually they launched it into the crowd and didn't shout for, which is another issue. But they were doing it on purpose because I think DeChambeau did that on all four days. He worked out that... There was too much danger on the left-hand side so he's going to hammer it into the long stuff which wasn't actually that long on the right-hand side of the fairway knew he was going to have a big miss but knew that he had an easy shot into the green um, and he was going to be putting for birdie and i think he did that virtually every day that he did it which doesn't quite sit right with me on a us open course there should be punishment for not hitting fairways as much as we know bryson is good at that um and he's quite good at selecting his strategy around the course there should be punishment. You should be drawing bad lies virtually all of the time if you miss a fairway, for me, in the US Open. And that really wasn't the case. If you hit it in the right areas, um, even when there wasn't people trampling down, often you pulled a reasonable lie and you had a really good shot into the green. So I don't think there was quite enough penalty off the tee, um, which... I didn't really like. But that said, you only have to look at the leaderboard about six holes in on Sunday. It was a wash with talent. It was probably the most star-studded leaderboard I've seen at any point in any tournament this year. Um, So in that sense, I think there's something to be said that the USGA set it up right because when they set up a course, they want the elite golfers to be in the mix on Sunday, don't they? It's going to bring fans in. It's going to bring viewers in. It's going to make for a spectacle, which it was for a long time. Um, But... Will I be wanting them to rush back to Torrey Pines for a major? Probably not. Um, I'd much rather have it just as the Farmers. I like it as the Farmers. Um, I don't really think it needs a major. I would prefer it maybe go somewhere else. But that's just my opinion. Um, In terms of what I was watching, I was tearing my hair out twice in a row on Sunday. Bryson bloody DeChambeau. I thought he'd won it um, about four holes in. When he rolled it up for on the par three, almost knocked it all in one. I was virtually certain he was going to win by a couple of shots. And then incomprehensibly, I think he shot 44 on the back nine, which is just unforgivable. Now, I think probably after he made that birdie, the short birdie putt from like what half a yard, I don't think he hit a good shot again in the whole tournament. It was just, it made no sense. He was making stupid decisions and then executing shots horrendously too. Now he slipped on 13T, which... I mean, fair enough, he slipped on there a couple of days and that tee is a new tee that's been put in. But And because he goes so hard at the ball, he's obviously going to leave himself more open to that. But he just was mentally weak for me, which is very unlike Bryson. He laid up in the rough after hitting the rough, which is just unforgivable, especially the right rough on 13, because you have absolutely no chance, really, of hitting the flag. Um, and from that point, he just fell away. And he was at the point where he got to 17 tee and he just needed to play it in even par, I think, and it would have got a full place. And I had, I'm not ashamed to admit, a relatively chunky bet on Bryson, and even a place would have been absolutely fine. And he just, I don't know what he did, but I was disgusted with Bryson. You can't triple holes and make stupid bogeys. And it just was the most unlike Bryson round. And yes, it's my wallet talking, but also it just surprised me and was the exact opposite of what I thought um, once I watched him play the 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 front six, or the first six holes of his day. Um, Yeah, he finished
0: six over on the day, uh, three over for the tournament, and a tie for 26, then I certainly wouldn't
1: have thought he was going to end up there at the beginning of the day, did you? No, absolutely not. And then he he made it, he didn't really pull much. Then he made a couple of birdies. And I mean, to shoot 44 on nine holes is what? 12 over par on the back nine or something stupid. That's probably a bit extreme, but it wasn't good. Um, And as luck would have it, Morikawa made a double bogey on that hole too. So 13 was very much my nemesis. Um, But both because they hit the, they both managed to lay up in the the right rough, um, which is just, you can't do it on that hole. Um, I think Morikawa hit a wood from about 320 yards. Yeah which was the, just a stupid decision because best-case scenario, you hit a worldie, fair enough, but just hit an iron. You're going to have a shot in anyway. Morikawa cannot hit any club 320 yards from the rough. I'm sorry, he mm-hmm. just can't. I mm-hmm. just don't understand it. Um, he was going for the hero shot, which wouldn't come off, but I'll stop whinging for a second. We got a full place from Morikawa. It covered most of the week. Bryson would have and Morikawa would have covered more, all the week and more. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Um I feel vindicated in picking them because they both played well for three and a half rounds. However, yeah, disappointed. My long shots all missed the cut, um, which I was a bit sad about. Not a great U.S. Open betting wise, but there we go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as you say,
0: you you got a place in Morikawa, uh, save your bacon a bit. I got a place in Berger, save my place a bit, um, or save my bacon a bit. And uh, yeah, we'll just we'll leave it at that. I think uh, uh, regards. It felt like to me on the. I don't know if it was because the crowds were trampling it down a little bit, but it felt like to me on the third and fourth day that in parts the rough wasn't as long as it had started out uh, Started out the week. Um, I don't know whether, that was, whether it was because it was getting drier or maybe they had trimmed it just a little, just taking the, the top <laughs> off it all. I'm not sure, but um, I do take your point that, it, that the rough at, at points wasn't particularly penal um, at, at, at the US Open, which, as you say, is, is interesting. Um and just to finish, um, just a couple of the other sort of names of note there. McElroy looked good for a while, didn't he? And then he sort of flattered to deceive again.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Him and McElroy and Xander were just the very epitome of McElroy and Xander. Zander, yeah. um, to be yeah. fair, Rory was in it in the on the front nine on Sunday. He didn't have that blow-up round early in the week, which often he often finishes like a train, doesn't he? But he doesn't really yeah. start very well. It was the opposite. But... At no point was was I thinking that that Rory's going to win. Um, and even Xander, at one point on the Sunday, I think he got within two after hauling a birdie. And I was like, maybe. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair to Xander, on a normal US Open, he's shot 69, 71, 72, 71. Like normally that's going to get you there or thereabouts. Um, I, I, yeah, it just I'm not going to back them. I said on the preview, I wasn't going to back them, uh, particularly yeah. just because he's Xander um, and he's probably got people some place money. So fair enough. But I just have no confidence about with him and Rory at the minute. So, yeah. oh, promise in that, I think definitely, and they'll probably win win a couple um, in terms of tour events. But I, I don't know; they're flatter to deceive for me. Okay, let's move on to the
0: Travelers Championship this week. Uh, we are going uh, to a, a an altogether different prospect of a course. Um, it's at TPC River Highlands in Cromwell, Connecticut. Uh, the uh, River Highlands course is a past 76,841 yards. Uh, it is. So it's about compared to the behemoths that these guys have been contending with in the last three or four weeks. Uh, this is an altogether different prospect, much shorter, nearly, I'd say it's about 800 yards shorter than what they'd usually be playing. Eight, seven, 800 yards shorter, um, a, uh, uh, you know, a, a bit of a, ch- a bit of a pitch and putt for a lot of these guys, uh, and um, and it shows in the in the scores as well. Very memorably, five years ago, Jim Furyk hit a sensational fifty-eight here, uh, and if and if Furyk can go around and hit fifty-eight, and he was never the longest hitter in the world, then you know that the, the guys of this this sort of generation five years later, with the way they're sending the balls, this really literally is a pitch and putt for a lot of these guys. So expect a sea of red. In the in the school board, the, uh, this is a uh, Pete Dye had to go at this course in terms of tricking it up a few years ago to make it a little bit harder and a little bit tougher to get at. The, the greens are a typical sort of Pete Dye small potion stamp sort of propositions. So it is you know it is not a gift, but uh, but really um, you know the the scores should be uh, a fairly low here every day, and uh, you you really should be if you're getting it out in the right position on the fairways. Um, it's uh, it's chocks away and, 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 and fill them up for as many birdies as you can get because it really is going to be a race to the bottom if you look at, um, at kind of the last scores in the last few years. They, they, those were um, 2015, Bubba Watson won here at 16 under. He won in a playoff. 2016, Russell Knox at 14 under. Jordan Spieth won at, in, two, in 2017 um, at 12 under. Bubba came back again and won in 2018 at 17 under. Ches Revi at 17 under in 2019, and Dustin Johnson put on a very dominant display to win here last year uh, at 19 under. So you can see those scores, and and what we're probably expecting this week are going to be much of the same. So um, it's a really interesting field. It's quite a punchy field. Uh, there's some pretty uh, pretty good players in this in this lineup. Uh, you know, you're talking Dustin Johnson. Brooks, um, Brooks Koepka, Bryson DeChambeau, um, you know, Patrick Cantley, Paul Casey, Patrick Reed, Scotty Scheffler. So a lot of the usual suspects are here. Um, kept, you know, going on from the U.S. Open, going across the country from west coast to east coast. Uh, and um, but I still, yeah, I still think there's some value here because this course brings a lot of players into the picture who wouldn't usually not so much be in the picture, but would be struggling to kind of keep up with the distance with these guys. That's not an issue this week. It's more about accuracy and and kind of where you land and end up. So, um, Matt, uh, I'm going to throw it over to you. I'm going to get you to sort of give me your sort of thinking about what you were thinking about regarding this tournament
1: um, and who you like and why. Yeah, sure. I was hoping you weren't going to say that. (laughs) I've still not decided. Um, I will decide at some point while I'm talking, I'm sure. Do you
0: want me to? um, Do you want to? Do you want me to go in and and throw your mine in, and then you can sort of keep on sort of looking up, or are you quite happy to throw yours out?
1: Sure, that'd be nice. I'll talk a bit about the course first, and a little bit about. Okay, all right. You have a
0: little bit about what you think about the course, and then I'll go out and tell you who I like, and then you can finish off by
1: telling us who you like. Sounds good. Um, Yeah, I agree about the length. It is very much a pitch and put, isn't it? It brings the entire field. Into into the race, which just wasn't the case last week, was it? Uh, and well, I it think, hasn't been the case for a few weeks, has it? Really? Yeah, there's been quite a few that are, are long enough, haven't they? And it's yeah, it means that I've, I've, the board is very funny this week because actually, I don't feel like the bookies have readjusted for that fully. I still think a lot of the shorter hitters are still priced at a fairly juicy prices. Now it doesn't mm. mean we back all of them, but. I think there is lots of value there if you do like a short hitter. They've not quite equalized the prices for me anyway. Um, but I thought that was quite interesting just looking down the board. There's a few um that I'm not actually gonna back names like Doug Gims stood out. He was two hundred to one earlier in the week, and now he's a really short hitter and unfortunately he can't put, but I think he's live this week, whereas most weeks he wouldn't be live. Um so interesting. I think it's almost a putting contest this week for me, um, despite them being smaller than average greens and poor. Um, they're not that hard to hit. They've got a relatively high greens and regulation percentage as a tournament. Um, and I think it's a die course or it's a die design. So it is going to be second shot. Uh and I don't really put much emphasis on driving this week at all. I think it's about giving yourself chances and holding the puts when you can. Um, I was looking at some stats for the last 10 years around the winner um, has averaged about seven, um, about seventh in in putting average or strokes gained putting. Whereas the next most important metric was scrambling, which is around 20th and then approach play greens in reg were close at 30. So putting more than any other week of the year, almost for me is important here. So, you know how much I like to back uh, ball strikers who can't really put. I'm very much going on the inverse of that this week and looking to to go with either long-term good putters or putters in form that have shown something with their irons for me to know they're going to have enough opportunity um, to get some puts hold. Um, interesting for some in-play tactics, I know we don't really talk about in-play here so much, but. We've got eight out of the last 11. 54-hole um, leaders have actually been beaten. Um, With some, uh, you'll remember Streelman and Bubba, who have attacked from way off the pace on a Sunday. So mm. if you're lighting in-play bet, um, if you're an exchange player or anything like that, it might be useful to keep an eye out um, to see who's at the top um, and either look at laying them or maybe backing someone who's three-back or four-back, because you know how hot people can finish. I think Streelman birdied the last seven, didn't he, a couple of years back to yeah. win um, on Sunday. So, if you, one, if you're leading coming into Sunday, don't count your chickens. Um, and if you're not, there's absolutely every chance. Um, and I think that applies to place money too. So even if you sort of got a guy in 20th, 25th, if he flies on Sunday, then there's every chance he can rocket up the leaderboard. Because while it does play play generally easy and give out some big scores, you can still, by getting hot, move well up the leaderboard. Because if you're not hitting in the right spots off the tee, it might not be as easy as as it perhaps appears Um so yeah, that and then course form this week. Um, I've looked at uh, the form over the last 10 years or so, 15 years or so at, tra- at travellers at River Highlands. And generally, if you pi- if you play well at this course, you play well virtually every time you come. Um, so I think, yeah, like we talked about at the start, I put much more emphasis on a bit of course form here we know that bubba's a multiple winner here um one of my other backs i'll talk about in a little while i think he's finished in the top 25 on every one of his last eight appearances and he's three-figure prices so i think there's definitely value in searching a bit of course form and then strokes again put in put in average this week
0: yes i um i'm going to give you my selections now uh, and they're based around uh yeah, a bit of course form and uh, and 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 a bit of um, ball striking and putting ability. Not all the same, uh, you know, for, for every every golfer. But you'll see from my selections, I have gone very, very wide this week. I've gone th- uh, all of my golfers are three figures, uh, and uh, and that and the reason for that is because. I looked at this board. I agree with you. I don't th- think the book has uh, have the bookies have really um, kind of factored in uh, this. I think they look at those names up the top: Deschambo Johnson, Cantley, I mean, um, you know, uh, Cantlay, Kepka, They're all you know between twelve and sort of sixteen to one. Now you can go and back those people, and and I wouldn't try and talk you out of it. But they're not for me because as we sort of said you know, uh, uh, there's so much more value that can be had with guys on this course that can play just as well on this course. There's no there's no advantage to being ultra-long here. Yeah, you can maybe um, drive the green on a couple of holes and what have you, but the thing with dyed design course as well is that if you get it wrong, you know, there are penalties. So you are better to be positionally more astute, more accurate, and, and get yourself in the... The, you're all in the right position to attack, and then be the best putter on the day, uh, uh, and you'll be you'll you'll be a, a, I think a lot better off. So I've 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 thought I want value this week, I, and I, I and so I've gone really kind of wide because I think that some of these some of these prices don't actually give some of these players the credit that they're due. <coughs> Excuse me. First of all, I want to make a note of Kevin Streelman. I looked at him this week because I thought. He loves it around here. He's been playing out of his skin the last few weeks, hasn't he? Um, and I, I thought, what Strelman's playing? And I looked him up on uh, and- he was playing only 30 to 1, and I'm sure... you know, close to 20 now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just... I, I, I would love to back Strelman, but I'm looking for big sort of value this week, and I, I, I won't back Strelman because he's only 30 to 1. But uh, he's really been sort of nipped in, uh, taken, had all the sort ver- of taken out of him. <clears throat> um, uh, yeah, but I, I, yeah, I, can't, I just I wanted to note, I just want to make a note on him. I thought he was. I, I, I looked, he was the first name I looked up because I, you know, look, you know, looking at the past winners and the past performers, he counts very, uh, and he's been in such good form lately. But I, I'm not going to take him at thirty to one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go big and wide, high, wide and handsome, as they say. So here we go. Um, so the first uh, uh, person I like this week uh, is Mackenzie Hughes. So Hughes is coming off a very impressive U.S. Open performance last week. Um, he shared the lead on Sunday. Yeah, and he only sort of fell away with a disappointing final round. But, uh, you know, he, he, to be sharing the lead on Sunday the U.S. Open um, is, is some pretty good form, and he's, and he's playing very, very well. And he has been for a while. So I, 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 I like Kevin Strillman um, – sorry, Mackenzie Hughes uh, – what makes the case for Hughes even more compelling is that he tied for second at this tournament last year. So you know the the, the young Canadian's game is clearly in good nick. This is a course that he's proven well to, that he plays on plays well on the good ball striking ability that plays to his strengths on this course, and he is hundred and ten to one with Star Sports. I think that's crazy. Um, uh, hundred and ten to one is fantastic each way value. So I'm going to go Mackenzie Hughes as my as my top bet uh you know, great current form. Comes, we'll be flying sort of high off a very, very good US Open performance. A tied second here. I oh, know, second last year. <clears throat> and I just think he's in a great nick for 110 to 1. That's I'll take that money all day long. My neck. the guy that you mentioned actually said you can't putt. I'm going to go with Doug Gim here because he's 150 to 1 with Star Sports. Yes, putting is his Achilles, Achilles' and I and I don't doubt about that. But if there was a course that was to suit Doug Skim's game, this is it. I mean, you know, he's and ball striking. You know, he's a US I, Open amateur finalist. Uh, and the guys he's much in the mould. I think of Colin Morikawa, um, and there better chances to play well and. And, and, and sort of get and, and you know get that win or at least get a very high leaderboard finish than, than here uh, this this plays right to his strengths and take him on a little bit of faith and uh, and uh, so at, and 150 to one I just think he's stonking great value uh, each way. My next pick is Brendan Steele he's 125 to one with Star Sports. Steele's recent form at TPC reads well he finished tied sixth here last year and tied 21st here the year before. He's a player that tends to play short courses with an emphasis on accuracy better than most. Um, his performances over the last few weeks have been consistent while not being outstanding, but I don't think this at 125 to 1 also does Brendan Steele justice. Um, this is a very consistent player. He makes very few mistakes. He doesn't win as much as he should, but once again, uh, I'm looking at guys who can have go well at a price on a course that they should, enjoy and have really enjoyed in the past you know reed um Steele's played well here in the past and 125 to one for me um suits him uh, he, he's, he's been playing well this year and my last uh i've got two uh because i've added one more late in the piece mm-hmm. um uh, my fourth one is um tom hoagie 250 to one he's another guy he's been hugely disappointing this year but if there was one course that that this guy price, even a place at 251 would be lovely. This, this is it. Uh, he's played relatively well here before. Um, he hasn't been in much form lately. This is a bit of a, this is a bit of a faith one, this one. I'm, I, I just, uh, I, 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 I cashed out on weeks ago. I said, no, not touching him anymore. I'm going to just this guy one more role at a course that I think he should play well at. And he has played well at. It's not too long. He's not the longest hitter. He needs a, a course like this to be, to sort of to, to, to show his best like that, which is his ball striking game, and uh and my last uh my last guy, uh, as I say, I came in in the piece as uh, Richie Worenski at 160 to one. There's something about Worenski I like. Uh, uh, he putts very very well. If this guy gets rolling, he's he's a he's a very good putter. Um, it, I think once again, uh, positionally if he works. and and thinks about it and uses his brain. Um, He's as good as any sort of these young sort of up-and-comers in the field. Uh, And and at 160 to 1, I just think, yep, I'll have a little bit of that each-way value. So there's not not one of my players is under 110 to 1 this week. Uh, uh, They're all 110, 125, 150, 150, 160. So um, I'm going for, as I say, I don't make any apologies about it. I'm going uh, because I think that there's an opportunity for that to happen here. Yes, um, Brooks Bryson uh, DJ could go out and smash the field. Yep, but there's other people have got a place, and I'm 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 looking for potentially these guys to place, or maybe even sneak a win.
1: So that's me, Matt. Good. Um, we have a match. Firstly, um, okay. I come on to him first. Uh, Again, it's weird. It's like the Will Gordon one. I didn't think anyone else would be backing him this week. Um, But there you go. Um, Firstly, I decided, and I'm denied about this for a while, I'm not going to back who I think is the most likely winner of the event. Um, And I think that's Patrick Cantlay. I have been very impressed despite... Cantley, me backing him and me missing a place last week. He's been so uber consistent lately. His all of his stats model perfectly for this course. He is improving with his putting. Um, it's coming back to life. And at 16 to 1, I don't hate the price, but I think there's enough doubt about just this event and where it sits in the calendar to know whether you're gonna get um a hundred percent from Cantley. I think a lot of players are using this as their last one on the PGA um before they head to Europe um to play the Irish or the Scottish or the Open. So It's always a funny one after a major, isn't it? And it's enough to put me off backing anyone at a a properly short price. Um, So yeah, I think Cantley is the most likely winner. However, I'm not gonna back him this week. Um, Talk about our match to begin with, which is Brendan Steele. Um, It's purely a, a course form angle for me, um as well as the fact that, like you say, actually, he does play shorter courses really well. I think where Brendan Steele sometimes loses out is when he's trying to find that extra distance and that ends up costing him. Um, but here, where there isn't as much emphasis on driving, whether that be accuracy or distance, um, he needs to get it in play. And actually, his stats model out red, relatively well. He scores put really well in putting, we know he's a good putter, um, and his approach player is okay, but he's the one at the start when I mentioned that, actually, I think in his last eight appearances here, he's finished in the top 25, Um, he's finished 6, 21, 14, 17, 25, 5, 13, and while they're not necessarily reflective of him being in contention, they do um, illustrate uh, a familiarity with the course and a confidence that he should feel. Um, and he's playing sneaky good this season. He's had a couple of decent finishes um, in his recent form outside of his historical decent finishes um, at River Highlands. So 125 to 1. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's about 30, 40 points too long for Steele. Um, looking at a couple of other names. So Brendan Steele, first cab off the rank for me. Okay. I'm going to go down the bottom and talk about a couple of relatively shorter odds players. Um, one in a slightly different market, um, and that's Wakin Neiman. Uh Neiman has improved his putting no end in the last year or so. Um he was about low 170s, one eighties over the course of last season, um or the start of last season, and he's now all the way up to 24th in this field in strokes gained putting, which I really like. Um and he is an excellent player. I think he's close to being an elite player, and I think over time he will become an elite player. He's only started here twice, he's come fifth once and then made a mid cut, but not much. And um, the other time, um he's been really good te Green. We know he's gonna get it in play. His approach play has actually been relatively sparkling this year, which I like um and he's thirty five to one outright generally um but um if you shop around, you can actually find him thirty five to one with less places, so he's thirty five to one with five places, but without the top four of Casey Bryce and d j and Kepka. And I think that takes an awful lot of win equity, as much as I'm not sure about all of their win prospects. Taking four elite golfers and still getting 35 to one about a golfer of Neiman's quality um, speaks for a bit of value for me. Um, so I'm going to take him in that market. It's exactly the same price that you get him on the outright, but obviously you don't get the eight places. So whacking Neiman um, is my second bet. I'm then gonna. I might come back to one. I'm still in two minds about whether to back the other chap who is round about that same price. I'm gonna go long again, um, just like you did. And the first one is David Lipsky. And I'll be honest. When I set out to do my research, he wasn't one I thought I was gonna back. Um, I've been experimenting with, <coughs> theatre golf, and they do kind of a true strokes gained model, which um, allows you to examine players across the breadth of tours across the Com ferry and the Euro Tour, and they work that out. It's very mathematical, but by the strength of field and it's all relative true strokes gained. um, And actually, he's been playing excellently lately since he's gone over and started quite a bit on the Corn Ferry tour. Um, He's finished um, second, second, 21st, 12th. And then he played at Palmetto um, a couple of weeks ago and came eighth on there. So I think that's excellent form. And the Corn Ferry, you need to be hitting it well to be getting those sorts of finishes. Um, And when you use that True Strokes game model, Lipsky is an excellent putter. Um, He's in the top 15 in this field. Um, He's scrambled excellently. He's in the top six around the greens. And his approach play has been very good. So, I mean, a golfer with high finishes speaks of a confident golfer. And if you shop around, he's anywhere between 150s to 200s, depending on how many places you want. So purely on a value play, I think David Lipsky is a great bet. Um, Similarly, a great bet. And this is... I'm only backing him because he's this price with one bookmaker. Generally, he's about half this price. And whether it's a bit of a palp or not, I'm not 100% sure. But Cameron Tringali is 110 to one with one bookmaker. Yes, for less places, but he's 110 to one. Um, and one of the things I looked at the metrics for this course, I looked at par four scoring um, because there's, there's about seven or eight um, par fours here um, that actually... If you play them well, you will win. And all of the past winners in the last six or seven years have played the par fours better than virtually anyone else. Um, And he scores really high up in par four scoring. Um, He's in the top 10 in putting. Um, His approach play has been really good. His around the green is only bettered by a couple of people, I think. And he's just one of those who've been posting sneaky stats with ever without ever actually getting super high finishes lately. I think earlier on the season at the Honda and a couple of other places, he's gone off much shorter prices and not been a million miles away from the frame. Um, and I just think it's 110-1 seems a massive price. And he's one of those that, when I see the name Cameron Tringali, I didn't really want to back him because he's called Cameron Tringali. It's like a, a worse Xander Shoffley, maybe. <laughs> but I can't not back them with those stats. So I'm willing to just follow blindly and hope that it comes to fruition. And then... My next one, I think I might leave off that shorter one. I'll make a decision while I talk about Pat and Kazaya because everyone likes a glutton for punishment, don't they? Um, Kazaya paid off with a couple of places at the Byron Nelson and another tournament that I forget the name of. But then he went off at Palmetto and I backed him at Palmetto at 45 to 1. He made a triple on his second hole or something stupid and never entered the frame, missed the cut. But he's not 40, 45 to 1 in this field, he's 140 to 1 in a place um, and three figures everywhere else. And for me, that's just a huge overreaction. He's been in great form, barring the yeah. putter at Palmetto. Um, He's an excellent putter. He's he's one of the best on tour. And actually, his irons have been brilliant lately. He came sixth in this tournament last year as well. So he's obviously shown he can play at this course. What you've got to hope for Pat and Kezaiya is that he doesn't miss the green because he's not brilliant around the greens. But I was kind of thinking to myself, at a course where the score is getting on for 20-under, if you miss plenty of greens, you're not going to win anyway. So I'm playing for his ceiling, Pat and Keziah. Um, I'm, He's 140 to one in a place, um, 100s generally. I've not backed him yet, and I'm not quite sure which one I'm going to take. I might split stakes between those prices um, just to cover myself for a few extra places and then get a bit of value with the 140s as well. Um, so Pat and Keziah is my fifth pick this week.
0: Yeah, I, I like that. I like that, Shaolin Kazai. But I, I, what I like more is your shout on David Lipsky. I looked at Lipsky as well, long and hard. Uh, I, I I, eventually put a line under uh, through him, but he was one of my last off. And actually, I put him in one of my fantasy teams because, yeah, he's two for two cuts on the PGA Tour. this He's only played a couple of events, uh, and he's played brilliantly at both of them. Mm. Uh, so he's in, he's in great nick. And uh, I, I think Lipsky is a great shout. I, I think he could be a really, uh, a really sneaky sort of chance. If he starts and, you know, he gets away to a good start and um, he's obviously, in, uh, you know, he's playing well. And, uh, yeah, I think
1: Lipsky could be, you could be on something with him. Yeah, I think if you shop around, you can also get, if you want to take 150s about Lipsky, you can get 10 places too. Um, so yeah, uh, if you, because really, you're probably playing for a place for Lipsky, truth be told. Yeah, Especially with the golfers at the top, but I mean, ten places—it's a—it's major-like. So I oh, yeah. would advise would advise that to get a bit of extra place value. Um The one that I've not told you about that I'm not going to put up as a tip, just because I think he's probably a smidge too short. Um, Abraham Answer was the other one I was going to put on. Um, he just comes out really well in all the stats and has come eleventh and eighth in his last two starts here. That said, he's kind of not my kind of golfer. I'm never that convinced by him when I see him, despite him having good stats. So. Last one off the list. I know I've talked about about 10 golfers because I found it incredibly hard not to back everyone in the field this week. Um, but there you go. If you want a shorter one, um, I won't be backing him, but Abraham Anser was my last one that I thought about.
0: Yeah. So Matt's, uh, for anyone that's listening, Matt's a shorter one that he won't back, but wants to put a flag up was Abraham Answer. And my one that's a bit short, but I think it still needs to flag up is Kevin Strelman. Um, I agree with you about Abraham Answer. I've had a long and complicated relationship with that guy. I backed him when he first came on the scene because I thought this kid's incredible. Uh, he, he was so uh, he had a beautiful swing. He found every fairway. He's a, a fantastic ball striker. And I, uh, I think it was the, the uh, 2019 season. Um, uh, uh, he just got very late into the drive and the um, FedEx Cup and. I watched him kind of melt on the greens, and I thought, oh, okay, you you don't like it when it gets <laughs> really, really precious and, and, and of course, there's so few players that do, and this is the difference between champions and guys who are just very, very good. And answer for me, I saw it happen two or three times across the course of a year. I think it was the 2018-2019 season. He was there and thereabouts a few times, and it got to Sunday, and he got very proddy with his um, with his putter, and and just just looked completely unconvincing. And I thought, okay, you are a little bit you 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 kind of um, you get the shape. So uh, yeah, I I I'm waiting for answer to to rectify that. If he can, he'll win a lot because he's got a, a wonderful game um, until he gets on the dance floor. You know.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, his stats say he puts well, but I'm, I'm not... Maybe it's okay. just optics, but when I, when I see him in the mix, especially on a weekend, he never seems... I always remember... Um, uh, it was a weekend at Town. I don't know whether you remember it, and he was there or thereabouts. I think Hatton was in the mix and Webb was also in the mix. And, and it was answers to, to lose at one point. And it looked like all he had to do was haul a few puts because he was playing so well. I remember... Yeah, didn't the haul... Yeah, he couldn't get yeah he couldn't get
0: in the hole, and and that's what happened to him. At the, I think the the season before at the Felix Cup playoffs, he was he was really late in the tournament. He was getting to the business end, and he did the same thing. He missed about he missed about two or three, four or five footers that you just thought, oh Abraham, you can't miss those. Uh, At this time. So yeah. uh, Yeah. Anyway. uh, Yeah. So let's just uh, move on from him. Okay. Well, look, I think that's, uh, that's really everything. Uh, There's some pretty, pretty decent sort of uh, big tips there from both of us. Um, And uh, I, I think it'd be a really interesting tournament. It's a, it's a nice course. And uh, and there should be lots of birdies, so at least you know we'll, we'll be watch, watching a, a fairly uh, easy prospect of a course compared to what we saw last week. So it should be a bit of fun and and a few birdies been sunk. Just to finish off, uh, Matt, uh, how do you feel the Euros are going so far? What, uh, I know France, Portugal, are about to kick off in about ten minutes. Uh, what do you what do you feel about that? Because that group, obviously England play whoever comes second in that group, which could be probably won't be Germany it looks like Germany will top the group if they as long as they beat Hungary what do you think um, about France or Portugal
1: yeah it'd be an interesting game um part of me thinks maybe the the cynic thinks that France wouldn't hate a draw in that game and pull in England um just because as an English fan um despite me not being completely um uh, impressed by England so far If we get through that round of 16 game, you then end up playing um, a relatively easy opponent, I believe, in the round after that. Um, I'm not sure how the games tonight changed that, but I don't think France want to lose the game tonight, and I don't think they will lose the game tonight, Um, but I'm not convinced they'll win, so I've actually had a a bit of a punt on the draw almost. Uh, I think it's about five to two, the draw, Um, maybe a bit more, which I don't hate. Um, I think France have so much in the tank, so much in the tank. I think... They are equipped to win the tournament out of despite their draw with Hungary um, in the week. Um, and I think they are, yeah, they're the most likely winner by far. Looking forward to the game tonight. Um, I don't think it'll be quite as exciting as the Portugal Germany game at the weekend mm. because I think France don't want it to be that way. And I believe they're starting four centre backs. They play uh, Lucas Hernandez and um, Kounde from Sevilla, um, as well as. Uh, Kimpembe and Varane, so they've literally got four centre backs. I think they'll play narrow, they'll defend well, just like they did against the Germans, um, and be very, very hard to beat. Um, but yeah, as far as the English chances, I'm just a cynic always, so I'm not optimistic, but I never am, and I'll be pleasantly surprised if we do.
0: Yeah, you, you'd rather. Be, it sounds like you'd rather just be kind of pint half empty and and then <laughs> and trying to and save the pain if you can if uh, if the uh, if the unthinkable happens. Yeah, um, it's definitely a defence mechanism. Yeah, yeah. Um, other teams uh, that you like the look of, I thought uh, I, I, my money has been on Belgium since the start of the tournament. I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy with the way they're travelling so far. I mean, I know they haven't really been tested, but I mean, I thought they, they came back well against Denmark and fought back well um, to one two one. The
1: ends look pretty pretty sharp too. Yeah, for sure. I think both both those teams. I think Italy, particularly those first two games, have been the most impressive. I think there's a question around the opponents they played in those first two games and whether actually they were challenged that far but you can only beat what's in front of you can't you and when And the second string was was cruising as well um I, yeah i think they're they're an absolute threat um what i plan on doing though um i'm not sure who they're going to get in the next round um but whoever the netherlands play in the last 16 i'll be backing against the netherlands i think they'll get ripped apart by a good team um i was watching the game uh i can't remember who they played in the last group game but they were just wide open and i know they had a couple of players not starting and actually on paper they've got a really good team but i think their defense is Abject at best, um, and they've just not had any real tough games. So, I'm going to hopefully take a nice price against whoever they play uh, for the Netherlands to get beat in the last 16.
0: There you go, punters. You heard it here first. Go against the Netherlands. Um, all right. Um, <laughs> what my
1: good night football bets, whatever you do. <laughs> There's a replay. <reason laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: We'll, we'll put a disclaimer on that one. Yeah. Matt is far more um, profitable on golf years on football bet so take a very uh take one with a very large yeah. grain of salt um all right well look, thanks very much everyone for listening uh thanks for matt uh for coming on again and giving us his insight um as f-o-r-e underscore bet on twitter if you want to follow matt and his um his tweets throughout the uh, throughout the week and throughout the tournament and uh we'll start fairly early doors tomorrow afternoon uh over here because it's on the east coast of the united states so um, good luck, one and all, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, Matt. I, th- I know that you were talking about having a little bit of a sabbatical and a bit of a break-off in yeah. terms of the tips to be up to the Open, so maybe uh, we'll talk about uh, that next week and, uh, and see where we are after, uh, after this tournament.
1: Yeah, th- absolutely. So I did say that. I think that was, <laughs> I think that was mainly me being, being in a sulk, after, after the Sunday of, of the US Open. Um, and actually doing my research tonight, I've enjoyed it again. So I may or may not have fibbed when I said I was taking a break. I may do a week just because. I really have no interest in tipping up for the barbersole. Um, and I'm generally not that good at tipping on the Euro tour. So yeah, we can talk about it next week, but it's Rocket Mortgage, I believe, next week, which I'm I'm happy to to stay on for and have a go at. But
0: yeah, yeah. well, yeah, you deserve a summer holiday at some stage, Matt. And uh as I say, you've got the open coming up next month, and, and that will be great. So all right, look, thanks everyone for listening and uh just good luck with your sports bets and your golf bets, and we'll we'll talk next week. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely, mate. Good luck for the week. See you after. See you. Bye.